welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you, God, for your anointing. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, which chases us. We love you, Father God. Open our hearts this morning, Father, that we would hear from your word. Our hearts would be enriched and enlightened, and we would continue on this wonderful journey of knowing you and loving you and serving you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Morning, everyone. Good to be here. Isn't it exciting? Isn't church exciting? Isn't God exciting? It's all good. We'll have to look at that video later on. It's so cute. You've got to see it. We'll fix it up. So, praise the Lord. Look at you all. You're so beautiful. So, this morning, we are preaching again on In Him. And we are, I'm doing from just three verses. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7 to 10. So if you have your Bibles, how about you turn there? And it says this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth in him. Praise God. So three verses only, but what verses? In him we have redemption. To redeem means to pay a ransom and and pay a price and to buy something back. It's to get it back. It was yours and you lost it. And redemption means a price has been paid to get you back. It's like a ransom, like you've been kidnapped. And so before I talk about the good news, I want to say, well, what... What have been we been redeemed from? It's hard to know how good it is unless we know how bad it is. And the Bible is very clear what we've been redeemed from. Because, you know, there is a devil and the devil takes people captive to do his will. That's what the Bible says. He captures them. He, he grabs a hold of them and he pulls them into this kingdom of darkness and that kingdom is not a nice kingdom. And once you're there, you're trapped. You can't escape. You're like, you know, has anyone seen that terrible show, Banged Up Abroad? You know, these awful people that sometimes kidnap foreigners. You, you're trapped. You're in prison. It's not going to happen to us. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and you're, you're in this kingdom and then it's dark. And not only that... For a while, you might not even realize you're trapped. You, you might think, well, you know, I can go to the beach, everything's all right. But gradually, as life goes on, you realize, I, I'm, this isn't working out the way it's meant to work out. This isn't all good. 
and you're chained up. And then you might even think, well, I want to escape. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to change. I, I'll go to Queensland. I'll move. I'll, I'll try a new marriage. I'll try something. It's got to get better than this. But you can't escape. You're chained. You're trapped by your own sin, by your own habits, by your own problems. You can't escape even if you want to escape. You're cursed. Cursed. Well, that's not, well, that's, that's a bit strong, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. If you would like a more modern word, we could say there are consequences. So when we sin, and we all do, there are consequences. And the Bible is actually very clear about what those consequences are because God wants to warn us. And I'm not going to read them all, but if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the consequences, they're called the curses of the law, is what happened when you disobey God. Now, we don't like this, but it's true. When we disobey, we're stuck with these consequences. And we all disobey. We all sin. We do we do terrible things. We disobey authority. We hurt one another. We lie. We steal. We're unkind. We're lazy. We're thoughtless. We're heartless. We over, overeat, overdrink, overindulge in all sorts of things. And worse, we ignore God. We ignore him even though every breath we take is because of his goodness. We live for ourselves. We live selfishly and we don't live for him. Some, you know, go further, <laughs> you know, with murder and horrible things. Perhaps you think, oh, I'm not that bad. But I can assure you that you're in the list there. I can assure you, and I know for myself, that we all do what we don't want to do and dislike what we do and say what we don't want to say. And it's like, oh, and like Paul, we say, wretched man that I am. Why do I do these things? Every single woman in the world who's had kids says, oh no, I sound like my mother. <laughs> I thought I wouldn't. And we, I love my mom. She was, she was a great mom, but you know, not every little thing she did. <laughs> but then you find yourself doing it the same. It's like, oh, how do I escape from, from myself? It's, it's awful. And so the consequences. If you read Deuteronomy 28, he says, all these curses will come upon you. You will have problems and cursings and difficulties with your business. You will have sickness and diseases on your body. Even your animals, even your farm animals will get sick and your dogs and your cats. When you travel, there will be confusion and difficulty and it won't work out the way you wanted. There will be sickness, the climate, the, the, you'll be, there'll be drought and climate change and all sorts of difficult things and you'll be defeated in war. There'll be mental illnesses, marriage breakdowns, loss of property, family will break down, children will leave and not want to be with you, you'll be in excessive debt, there'll be foreign intervention, men will be unkind to you, wives and women will hate their husbands, men will hate their wives. Hello? Have you turned on the news lately? You read Deuteronomy 28 and it sounds exactly like life today. It sounds exactly like what people are going through all the time and they don't even know, they just think that's normal life. Oh, that's normal. You know, I'm divorced. I don't mind. You know, I'm estranged from my kid. My kid turns up to my funeral. I say, get lost. I don't want you to go to the funeral of your father. You know, I don't talk to this person. I don't talk to that person. I've got this terrible disease. You know, my business is failing. We just think that's normal life. That's not normal. That's horrible. That's cursing. That's how most of the world lives. But that's not the way that God planned for this life to be like. 
And everyone's just coping with all this cursing on their world, thinking this is normal. Well, it's not. And you know what? It's not for us. Don't think that that's the way life is and so that's the way we have to handle it. And occasionally we go to the movies and we go to the beach, so it's okay. No, no, because in him we have redemption. Jesus has bought us back. The devil wants to keep us there, but he has paid a price to pull us out. This, that cursing, that's all part of the kingdom of darkness. That's all part of not following Jesus. But he paid a price. He hung on the cross and he said, I don't want them to live like that. Would you want your children to live like that? Would you? Of course not. Neither does God. So he sent Jesus to die and he paid the price for our sin. And he, the, part, the price he paid was his blood. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins by his blood. Just keep that, put that scripture up for me again. He paid the price by his blood. So here we were in this horrible kingdom and he paid the price and he redeemed us. He brought us out. He brought us out of all of that. He brought us out and he said, I want to set you free. I want you to start this whole wonderful new life. I want to take away all those curses. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's the curse. They're the consequences of disobedience. And it's like, but I'm not good enough. I didn't, I didn't suddenly become good. I didn't, I didn't do everything right. I didn't sort of deserve it. It's like, that's right. He's just going to buy you back. And all those curses that you deserve and I deserve because we did do the wrong stuff, he says, you don't have to have it anymore. I'll, I'll, pay the, I'll do the consequences. I'll pay the price. And now you're free. You get to live as if you'd been perfect all your life. Let me share a story about somebody that was, was trapped in this horrible place. Her name is Lillian Yeoman. She was a, a medical doctor in America in the 1920s. And uh, she worked very, very hard. And she worked so hard that she got exhausted. So she thought she might just take a little bit of morphine to, to manage. And uh, she took more and more. And there came a time when she realised that the bloodthirsty tiger had me in his grasp. She says, Of the anguish of my soul the day that I had to acknowledge to myself that morphine was the master and I the slave, I can now hardly bear to speak. She took a lot of morphine. She said that she was... She got to the point where she was extremely sick. She became a, a terrible drug addict, basically. She said, I was unable to stand erect. I couldn't speak clearly or even sign my own name. My thoughts were unconnected. My mind was filled with horrid imaginings and awful forebodings. And worst of all, my whole being was possessed with this specific, irresistible, indescribable craving for the drug. Anyone who has not felt it cannot imagine what it is. Every cell of your body seems to be shrieking for it. Stay away from drugs, everyone. So she says, I had no power to escape. Say what you will, I tried everything. But this diabolical power is superhuman. She says, I was a perfect wreck, mentally and physically, like a skeleton with a devil inside, one of my nurses said. And I think her description, if not very flattering, was very accurate. My friends lost all hope of ever seeing me delivered and far from urging me to give up the drugs, advised for me to take them because the only escape for me seemed to die. So this is, a, um, this is someone who was in a very, very bad way. This is the kingdom of darkness that she describes, this terrible place she was in. 
And um, <clears throat> at that time, she read a poem. When I was a kid, someone gave me a book by this guy, Edgar Allan Poe. Has anyone heard of him? Anyway, they gave me this book by Edgar Allan Poe, and I just thought it was the most horrible book. It, it really disturbed me. It, he was a very dark sort of character, and these stories were dark and weird and horrible. And it turns out poor old Edgar Allan Poe was a drug addict himself. And, uh, and he wrote all this dark stuff because he was in a dark place. He's very famous. He's still very famous in America as a great literary sort of guy. I mean, he wrote well. But he, he wrote a poem about a raven that, that, had, that lived in his heart. And he said, take your, beat from, your beak from my heart and take your form from off my door. But the raven says, nevermore. <laughs> and this horrible poem goes on. And eventually, Edgar Allan Poe wrote, I became insane with long intervals of horrible sanity. One day they found him and he was only young. I think he was early 40s. He was wandering the streets, desperate and lost. And they took him home and he died. And his final words were, and let's hope, he, let's hope he's okay, because his final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. So Lillian said that she read that poem and she realised that that was her fate. And sometimes we look out in the world and we see people and we think, that, is that for me? And she thought, that, that's where I'm going. There, there can be nothing else for me but to be, to be like him because I'm in that same situation. But she, kept, she started to cry out to God. She started to pray. And more than that, she started to have faith. She said she prayed a lot but she never believed. She got to a place where she said, I had faith and I cried out to God and I prayed and believed that he could set me free. And he, and praise God, the insoluble problem was solved. The impossible was achieved. The deliverance was wrought. There is no trouble about it when God can get us to meet his conditions of repentance and faith. When God says faith, he means faith. It is well to know that. And she was healed, 100% totally beautifully healed and went on to lead this very free life <clears throat> and I share that just because, you know, for her it was so clear that she was in that dreadful prison, that dreadful kingdom of darkness. And maybe for us it doesn't feel so clear, but if we're in it, we need to get out of it one way or another. And so that price was paid. In him we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He pulls us out, takes all the consequences on himself, and now... We're part of this wonderful new kingdom, the kingdom of blessing, the kingdom of good things. And the Bible also speaks in Deuteronomy of all the blessings. And so when you read the curses, it's almost exciting now because the blessings are all the exact opposite. You're going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Your home will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. Blessed will be the fruit of your womb. Blessed will be your cattle. Everything gets blessed. And we get this blessing not because we obey God, but because Jesus just paid the price. Because And then it says this, I'd really love that scripture if I could have that up there because unfortunately I forgot to bring my... Oh, here it is. He says, According to the riches of his grace which he made to abound, abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So it was because he was so wise and so beautiful and so understanding of what we needed that he lavished this grace upon us. He redeemed us. He paid the price. We don't have to pay it anymore. We don't have to... We, we want to be good, but we don't have to be good to, to be blessed. We're blessed because of his grace, and then we'd be good. We don't have to pay this price again. It's very important to understand that. We don't, we don't have to somehow be good so that I get healed or be good so this happens. It's free. 
We, all the blessing is free. If I take one of my daughters to the shops and buy them clothes, you know, they, and I just give them the clothes, I don't, they don't turn around to the, the, the shopkeeper and say, oh, oh, here, I'll pay as well. They'll say, no, no, your mum paid. We, you don't pay twice. Our healing has been paid for. Our blessing has been paid for. Our prosperity, it's all been paid for. We're not good. We don't deserve it. But if we start thinking, oh, I've got, I, I'm not good enough to get healed. I'm not good enough to be blessed. I'm not good enough. Then we're not gonna, we don't understand. That's not faith. Faith says, I know I'm not good enough, but you paid the price, haven't you? Jesus says, yep. And so we receive by faith and we receive because of his goodness and because of his grace, which he's lavished on us. I love that word. It says this abounding, amazing grace that he's just poured out on us. The riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. There's an overflowing of grace, an abundance of grace. He's totally set us free. I was like, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this horrible kingdom and how he's dragged us out, I think some of us feel like we're on parole. We sort of think, well, I'm saved, but I'm not, I'm not very good. You know, I'm still not quite who I should be. And it's like I'm on parole. So I looked up the parole conditions of New South Wales and it's quite tough. You have to report to your corrections officer at an agreed time and place. You must comply with all directions from the parole officer about where you live, what, any programs that you have to do, any treatments, education, employment. They have to know everything about your life. They might also have be totally over every single social media or internet access that you have, depending on you know the circumstances. You may it perhaps are not allowed to associate with certain people. You may not be able to frequent certain places or areas. The correction officer can visit you at your place of residence at any time and enter your premises. You may not leave New South Wales or Australia without permission and so on and so on. It's like several pages long. And don't, I think some, I thought that's how some Christians think they, they are living. They know, they're not, they know they're saved. It's like I'm on parole. I'm just I can't do anything unless I get permission. I'm not, allowed, I'm not free. I'm still kind of stuck. Maybe you even feel like you've got an ankle monitor. You know, I, I can't go anywhere because I'm not very good. I, I, don't, I don't get to be a missionary. I can't, I can't preach. I can't do gifts. I can't be blessed. I can't. I'm just sort of scraping by on parole. Sort of a, that's just like not true. That's not the abundant grace. That's not lavished grace. That's not undeserved grace. You don't deserve to be sick or, or poor or miserable or horrible or have things not work out for you. He's redeemed you. He's set you free. You're not on parole. You're not a prisoner barely getting by. You deserve to be blessed because he wants to bless you. So actually, he hasn't just dragged you out of one kingdom to, to put you in parole and barely scrape by. He's dragged you all the way out of that kingdom all the way up to be a prince or a princess in the kingdom that's how far up he's given you so I've created some new conditions based on the parole conditions for a prince or a princess must have unlimited funds to travel into all the world and preach the gospel and do good deeds must be surrounded by the highest quality of noble people who understand you and love you that's you guys, must represent your kingdom well with all grace and truth and great clothes or whatever, you know, God wants to supply you with, must have a wonderful supply of all you need, food, drink, home, everything, must live in a peaceful home with love and treasures, the Bible says, must associate with people with love and truth and give to everyone, 
must have the Holy Spirit as a continual help and guidance and must be given wonderful gifts and blessings constantly. These are your new conditions. How does that sound? Everybody happy about that? (laughs) I think that sounds good. So this is what he has redeemed us from by the mercies of his wonderful grace. And then if we look further, it says this. He made his grace abound towards us, lavished us in grace according to his wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. So he has made known to us the mystery of his will. This is, it's mysterious. It's amazing. It it sort of doesn't quite make sense in a way what he said it's a mystery we will never completely understand it but he's made us understand this and he made us understand this is what he wants this is according to the pleasure of his will it's like this is what i want this is what i want for you i want you to be blessed and part of that blessing his long-range plan we can look at that i love this part here in the in the third verse that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. So here we have the final blessing and the final understanding of what he's given us in these three verses. That in the fullness of time, he's going to gather everyone and everything together and we'll be in total unity and total rightness and total justice. Everything will be right. All things will make sense. Everything that you feel like is unjust will be just. We constantly have things in this life that we feel are unjust. It's not all complete yet. We have been redeemed, but we're not, it's, not, it's not the final redemption, if you like, or the final solving of issues. And there is injustice and things that aren't right in this world. And we can pray and fix some of those things. I know for me, we just, um, you know, I play hockey and we had a particular umpire who was, te- she, was a te- she wasn't good, but it wasn't just, every umpire makes a few mistakes, I don't mind that. But I, I was starting to genuinely think that she was deliberately working against us. It just seemed like it was too much, you know, and I, I'm pretty good with umpires, but I just thought this is... Is she deliberately? Because it would just seem like so many calls against one girl in particular who I know they had a little thing going on and I thought, and she was our best player. Every time she got near the ball, she got called up and we were like, and then she'd get annoyed and then the umpire would get more annoyed and I'm just like, what? And I used to, com- I used to really irritate me and I kind of complain about all these stupid umpire and to myself, I'd try not to complain too much to everyone else and then everyone else in the team would complain and we just, and then I just got this revelation that I, would, I needed to pray about it because God is a God of justice and I thought, this is unjust, Lord. This isn't right. And so what I did was I, I said, all right, God, you're a God of justice and I proclaim justice on our hockey field. It's going to be good. It's going to be fair. So the next time she called us up, she, we played with, and she was there. I want, before I got on the field, I laid hands on the field and I said, God is a God of justice. I declare justice on this hockey field. Anyway, so sure enough, we start playing and our best player gets the ball and she calls her up as soon as she gets near the ball and gives a corner against us. But we, they didn't get the corner, so that was good. And, I, and as soon as it, went, it happened, I went, God is a God of justice. He's redeemed us. This is, I don't have to live under this curse. <laughs> Even in a game of hockey. I know it doesn't, it's not a big deal. But, and then 
They didn't get the corner and one of our girls got the ball and just ran straight up to the other end and got a goal. And I went, wow, that was good. And ever since then, it's been fine, absolutely fine on the field. Every time she tried to call the wrong call, and she does call the wrong call, we would get the ball and it would work out well for us. And I just went, wow, all these years I've been complaining about this umpire and all I had to do was pray about it and God has redeemed us, God has set us free. I, every little thing, he wants to gather it all together so that it makes sense and it's just. And some of those things, sometimes I think we wait too long. We think, oh, in heaven it'll be fair, we'll have a great game of hockey here, I'll be fit again, <laughs> that'll be nice. But, um, you know, and it'll all work out. But I, we've, got to, we've got to make a lot of this happen here. And now, obviously... I, I suppose the reason I never prayed about it was because it doesn't matter, really, does it? It's just a game of hockey. Like, who cares? But sometimes I think there are too many parts of our world where we think, oh, well, this is just the way it is. Oh, well, I've just got a bad boss. Or, oh, well, I've just got this horrible teacher. Or, oh, well, you know. But we put up with things when we shouldn't. We've been redeemed from curses. So read the curses and be blessed. Because if you can see any part of your life that resembles a curse, you need to say, uh-uh, I'm not cursed anymore. So I'm coming against that. And I think it's a curse to have a really bad umpire regularly at, at hockey. So I'm, I'm coming against it and, we've, and that's broken. So I just want to encourage you in any area of your life, there is a long-range plan and, and I'll finish on that in just a minute. But I, I want to encourage you, we have been redeemed, we ha have this new life. Take a hold of the blessings and, and make them happen. Have faith. This is what she said. People, she said, people said, did you pray? Because I think she either became a Christian, she was some kind of a Christian. So she was crying, but she said, yes, but I just sort of, I just sort of, you know, there's a sort of prayer where you're just sort of whinging almost and, and complaining like, oh, God, 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 God. I talk to some people and I say, have you prayed? And they're like, I pray all the time about it. And I think, really? Because you don't need to pray all the time. You just need to pray in faith and you need to hear from God. You need to get to a place where God just, you get peace and God has spoken and you take what he has said and you bring it into your world to rebuke those curses and to rebuke that horrible part of your life. It's not this sort of whining, continual prayer. It's the prayer of faith that makes a difference. It's proclaiming the word of God and, and doing things like in faith that make a difference. So we have been redeemed, but we have to make that happen. And he does have this beautiful long-range plan, which I'll go back to now, that all things will be summed up, everything will be, make sense. And, and there are mysteries in this world, and perhaps there are some things that we haven't been able to resolve as easily as that hockey umpire, but we keep pressing in and we keep seeking those answers, and some of those things will be finally in heaven where they're totally resolved and every you know, complete justice is, is fulfilled, conversations are finished, we're going to be gathered together. I lo I'm so excited about this. I think about it. I think about, you know, just where, you know, with some people, you just, it's just not right. You just can't make it right. It's like, oh, God, I so want it to be right. And I've tried, but sometimes we're just not right. But I always think, oh, it'll be good in heaven. You know, we'll, in heaven, if I can't make it right now, it'll be fine in heaven. We'll be gathered together. We won't have to say goodbye. Does anyone else ha hate saying goodbye? Does anyone else hate... Just hate, I just don't like goodbyes. I just sort of hang on. I just said, don't go. I walk, all my kids, I walk them right out to the car, in like, open the car, like, bye, bye. <laughs> I, just, I just like being together. And one day we'll never have to say goodbye again. I have considered, as you know, living in a commune here on earth, like just all buy houses together and, and, and we'll all, some of you are laughing, but secret, some of you know that you would like that too. We just all, 
We just take over Lizzo. I don't mean live together. I don't want to be that close. I like my space. But I just mean, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we all just took over Lizzo, you know, every house? In, that's, there's a lot of religions that do this. It's very common. In fact, it's happening in Lizzo with, with, um, with the, there's a, the brethren. Yeah, they're doing it in Lizzo, just around the corner from us. They're, they're all doing it. And Alexander Dowie famously started a whole city. He just did it. He said, let's do it. It's called Zion. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right, darling. I can preach. And it was a complete failure. It doesn't work. Yes, I know, it doesn't work. Every single commune that's ever been started in the history of mankind falls apart because they all start arguing and it's a terrible failure and everyone's terribly disappointed. And that's what happened. And I guess that would happen if we tried it, maybe, you know. <laughs> oh, well, Dowie went a bit crazy, we know that. But, but anyway, look, maybe just, maybe just with my kids we'll do it together. <laughs> Billy Graham kind of nearly did it. He used to live in a big area with all his buddies. They had all lived nearby. Anyway, look, I know, whatever. We probably won't do it, but, but we will. <laughs> Why do you laugh? We probably won't. Well, you guys are living pretty close. I'm happy. And I've got the Samuels nearby and, and then the Dyers. I'm, I keep preaching Lizaro. I say, it's so good. I, I told Sarah Samuel, I said, when you move to Lizero, you will realise this is the best suburb on the Central Coast. And you will be surprised because you didn't know that until you moved that. At the yeah, there he is. I told them that. I said, it's close to everything. It's in the middle of everything. And they were like, really, Ruth? I went, really? You wait. You'll see. And then they moved. And Sarah said, you're right. It is. It's in the centre of everything. It's really good. You five minutes to the freeway, 10 minutes to Erin Affair, 10 minutes to Tugra, 10 minutes to church. See? So I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> <coughs> It's true, isn't it, Michael? You love living in Lizero, don't you? And the Dyers? Come on. Who else lives in Lizero? Come on, come on. More? I got my I got my cousin living nearby. She's going, yeah, it's happening. Chris says, Chris's word from the front row. We're not a cult. Look, we're not a cult. But it's good. But even just talking about it, see, this is the thing. I think it is good to just talk about it because actually, actually, you know, my desire is really godly. It really is. And that's what he says. That in the fullness of time, we will all be gathered together. And now, for whatever reason, you don't all want to live nearby me. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but you will one day. Uh, and you can come and visit me in my mansion if you like. Um, but, you know, one day that is actually God's perfect will. That we do, that we, not only that we will be gathered together in this beautiful city, in the city of Zion, and we'll have, and it says even, it says even heaven and earth will be, which are everything in heaven and on earth. So we, there's the new heaven and the new earth. And I remember talking to Ian McCormack, who, you know, had the box jellyfish guy who went there. And he reckons, I mean, this is just him. So this isn't Bible. But he reckons that you can just zip down to earth, the new earth, and zip back up and down. So we'll be able to visit earth and enjoy earth, but then we just zip back to heaven, like because we time travel and just zip back, and it'll be just great. So it'll be so fun. But the point is that it, that is what God wants, and not only is it going to happen, but it will be a delight. We will be able to do it. We won't have arguments about who pays the electricity or whatever. We really will live together in complete unity and harmony, and we really, this is his plan. This is his long-range plan, and it's going to be absolutely beautiful, all people together in love and joy, Everything in heaven and on earth, united, part of the plan, operating in its full 
potential in its full manner that it's meant to operate. That's the final plan. Let me just read it again as we come to a close. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So we will all be together and it will be amazing. Let me encourage you. You have been redeemed in him all the way from the worst of the curses and the worst prison that you feel you may have been into, into a life that is rich and full and into this amazing future. It's all in him. It's all in him. So let's enjoy those blessings now and let's continue to be excited about the blessings to come. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.